Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And with that, Patrick Reed will forever don a green jacket. What a story. Patrick Reed is your 2018 Masters champion. Who's doing that dramatic voice for us? Who was that? Was that a radio broadcast, perchance? It wasn't TV. That was a uh, highlight package okay. on uh, on. The Golf Masters. The, it's, well, it's the Masters, their YouTube feed. Oh, it's sure, like a three sure. minute highlight package. Well, of it his sounded final round. more like he won the Minnesota State Open at Bunker Hill <laughs> with, the, with the mild applause in the background. It was yeah. uh, it was an amazing response. I have uh, been down there. Uh, I covered 18 of them, I think I figured out. And uh, they always go nuts when somebody wins, especially when they win on the 18th green, and he made a four-footer. And uh, it was incredible, the lack of response. It wasn't dis. You know what I think it was? It He's was, kind of a polarizing guy, though, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, he is. I think yeah, that was is. part of it. But I think the crowd, because I found myself in, this, uh, in the same vein, but I was rooting for Spieth to make the comeback. Yeah. And I think you know that kind of let a little bit of the air out of the excitement towards the end there because he was charging. Oh, man. he was unbelievable when he gets it rolling. I, I would have, I, I said, I would have given you twenty to one odds. You give me put up five, I'll put up a hundred that he makes that last putt on oh, eighteen. Yeah. I was shocked he to set the that. course record, right? Was, yeah. yeah. Now for Spieth, was it Friday that kind of did him in the round? Which which round that which round was it that kind of set him back? Because he he was leading after the first day, right? Was he, was he co co leader? He might have been like co leader or like number yeah, two or yeah, something like yeah, that. Yeah, I guess it was Friday he didn't play. Well, he was nine back, but uh, the yeah. course was as easy as it gets mm-hmm. uh, Sunday because A, it had rain and then a little more rain overnight, and the wind wasn't blowing. And when the wind doesn't blow there, they can go get it, especially when, the, when you can actually throw the ball somewhere near the pins uh, on those mounds because when they have them as fast as they want to, uh, if you miss by a foot, you're going to end up down off the off the green on a lot of them. So uh, he was, uh, he, he but he took advantage of it. And when he gets rolling, a man, when he there's nobody putts better than him when he gets when he gets putty. Reed's a very good putter too. Uh, Rory just went away, and you know it got to him when he missed that little birdie putt on number two. But I will say, as you hear that little. Uh, voiceover on the highlight package and Jim Nance and everybody. I mean, I like Nance. It's fine. But the reverence does kind of drive you crazy. A little bit. You know, like, you know, it's a golf tournament. 
It's a golf tournament. But I, you know what? I don't mind it, I guess, as much just because the Masters is pretty much the only tournament I will watch mm-hmm. all day. You know what I mean? Why but, is that? Well, just throughout the course of the summer. I don't know why. But the Masters, I will absolutely make well, it appointment say, television. Say that it was a sign of spring. That it was sure. like here. It was okay. Now everybody's ready to play golf, right? Mm-hmm. Although now we got to wait a month. But, uh, uh, but the, you know, and the thing I like about it is I've been there, but even if I hadn't been there, you know the golf course. You know, mm-hmm. you know, if you're a fan, you you know that it's not a new experience for you. Right. You're, you're knowing and you say, oh, oh, well, now they got to hit the ball in that little par three, uh, number 12, which is a diabolical little hole. And number three is that diabolical par four. That's a fun, but... Uh, the uh, you know okay they put a green jacket on a guy it's uh, they 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 overdo it there's no doubt about it but a lot of us saps eat it up too well sure that's okay I guess I ate it up for a while when I was down there <laughs> you know but uh, I, I, but uh, you know who else is it, close it, it by is the way? kind of fun to have a guy yeah pretty much a troller wins the uh yeah. pretty much to see a troller win it the and agitator that, well yeah. they were going back to playing those clips from the Ryder cup when he and rory yeah but everybody had fun watching but, well that's what i mean that's what kind of got you a little amped up to watch yeah, the yeah, final yeah, round yeah. on and you sunday would have thought that that would have you know reed has got the past with georgia where he apparently was a bad guy and uh you know he's an arrogant guy and he can't get along with his family and all those things that's fine but usually when you win something for america even if it's something as non-amateur pro oriented as the Ryder cup Mm -hmm. It it kind of makes you. A, I, I thought he becomes something of a heroic figure because of the Ryder Cup performance. Yeah. But uh, wow, they uh, now if he played here, we'd be all for him, right? Oh, 100 percent. Yes, know, absolutely. He, you know, he gave us the Dikembe. I forgot about the Matumbo oh, finger wag. That was, that was one of the great moments I've seen in golf. When, when he Reed when did he that, did yeah, and Rory had to laugh because Rory went crazy and he went you know and he. That's one of the great moments I've ever seen in golf. But uh, boy, oh boy, golf golf fans are all they're goofy though. They're they can be very right. I mean, you don't get two thirds of the crowd drunk like they were at Hazeltine oh my God, for the Ryder Cup. You don't get that at Augusta because if you're passed out under a tree, they're hauling your ass off to the jail or something. But uh, yeah, you're right. At Hazeltine, we're saying, no. can we get you a cup of water? Yeah, right. <laughs> Anyway, anyway, it's uh it was uh it was a good tournament and uh I guess we uh you know what I you know what another thing I like about the Masters? They have enough pride in themselves that if Tiger goes in the toilet or he's non factor, mm-hmm. they don't feel the obligation to, to show us every yes. one of his shots. I'm with you. They treat him like okay, he's a non contender and unless he makes a thirty five foot putt, which we can show because every time they go to some obscure player on a golf cast, you know why, don't you? Because mm-hmm. he just made a putt, right? Mm-hmm. Or he chipped in or he did something. Because it's on tape from 20 seconds before. And I, I do like the fact that they say, okay, Tiger is not part of this tournament. We're going to show you the guys who are part of the tournament. And I, the other guy that really impressed me yesterday was Fowler. Ooh, he, he... Here, here's what I want to know, though. Our contest that we have here. Oh, the, the I had fi- yes. Reed, 
and I had Fowler. Mm-hmm. How the hell can I not win it? Because I finished first and second. Harrigan, I want the money. Harrigan had uh, both those guys. I think he also had. Uh, I for, I forget. I, I should look it up. I even had Burned Weisberger, who what? finished in the top twenty. Did you change your pick, by the way, from the guy that dislocated his ankle? No, he finished seventh or eighth. Yeah. I stuck with Tony. I had Tony Finau. I want my money. <laughs> I had to win. What a joke. Uh, we'll be back. Uh, we're going to talk about the uh, Winnipeg Jets uh, with Brian Munns. He's one, a part of their radio team up there. He's also a native of Humboldt, uh, Canada, and we'll talk to him when we get back. Brian uh, Munns is part of the broadcast team for the Winnipeg Jets. This series is made in heaven, if you ask me. These two uh, teams uh, close in proximity, and uh, all our bar owners down here on West 7th Street are very happy to have the Jets coming to town for a couple of games, Brian. Well, I would imagine so. Uh, (laughs) Since the Jets moved into the Central Division here five years ago, it's kind of what we've all been waiting to happen, isn't it? Yes, yeah, it's terrific. Uh, How did... uh, I know that there was optimism about the Jets entering uh, this season, but there couldn't have been any belief that it could be this good. Well, to look at the final standings, you'd have to say no and see that through 82 games they finished as the number two team in the NHL, only behind the Nashville Predators. And it's even interesting, on a daily basis like you guys, all you do is look at the Central Division and you find out where those seven teams are lined up and who the top four or five are that hopefully have an opportunity to advance. And then when it's all said and done, you take a look and you're like, wow, that was a pretty impressive regular season schedule that that they were able to put together. And it really started in goal with Connor Hellebuck after the first two games of the regular season when the Jets came out of the gate 0-2. Steve Mason started. uh, They gave Hellebuck an opportunity, and that's where this real storybook season began for the Jets starting goaltender now going into opening night of the playoffs here on Wednesday night. Uh, Captain Blake Wheeler, obviously a Minnesota guy, is led by example up front. And then another local tie for you guys, Dustin Bufflin and Jacob Truba and Josh Morrissey and Tyler Myers on the back end have been really good defensively. So this is a team that uh, the city of Winnipeg is very excited about and Looking forward to seeing how this plays out over the next couple of weeks if it goes the distance. Uh, Hallebach, uh, what's his background? What's, uh, did they Were they waiting for him, or didn't they have any idea this was uh, possible? Well, they were hoping. You know, he threw last year a tough year. Both he and Michael Hutchinson were the, the two young goalies that were inside the organization when they decided to move on from Andre Pavlik, who came over from the Atlanta Thrashers when the team moved into Winnipeg seven years ago now, and you know, last year was was a really up-and-down year for both of those guys, and you would say for the most part it was negative just with the fact that they just couldn't get the consistency going. But you've got to give him all the credit in the world. He went into the off season, He worked his tail off both mentally and physically, and then he came into training camp with the right mindset. He wanted to prove that he could be a really good goaltender in the National Hockey League, and you take a look at it now, and he has a legitimate opportunity, in my mind, to win the Vesna as the top goalie in the entire league. So what he did last year and throughout the offseason has paid off in, in uh, tenfold right now for this club, and, and he's a big key to, to where they sit right now. Brian, no more interesting cats in sports than goalies, is there? <laughs> no, and you never know what you're going to get. Uh, you know, and, and that'll be the fun part in this series because as much time as 
as we spend around the Jets, we get to see your club on a, on a pretty regular basis. And you've got really one of the good people in the game and Devin Dubnik there who I love sitting down with and visiting with that, uh, you know, gives you so much insight on what's going on. And obviously he's going to be a big piece for the Wild here too. So uh, the storylines in the blue ice uh, make for a really good first-round matchup here for sure. How's Big Buff doing? Uh, I love Big Buff. He's an interesting character. Uh, uh, comes from uh, quite a family up there. Uh, he used to have some uncles who uh, taught him how to uh, be a bruiser, from what I understand. Yeah, he's a great dude. There's, <laughs> there's no question about it. Uh, you know, what what you see is, is what you get with Dustin Bufflin, both on and off the ice. and. I think it's going to come through when this thing gets underway on, on Wednesday, Friday, and then into the XL Energy Center coming up on Sunday. You're going to see a big smile on his face. He loves the stage of playing hockey inside an arena that's going absolutely bonkers, and I think both buildings are going to be packed to the nines with, with both Jets and Wild fans. And uh, I think he's going to soak in every minute of it. And as we know, when the game gets going, he can be a game changer on himself. So, uh I think it's going to be really neat to see what uh, he's able to do on a team that has a legitimate opportunity here to make some noise. Hey, uh, Brian Munns is with us. Brian uh, Wheeler, he, he came up there and really adopted the place and has uh, got to be a hero up in uh, Winnipeg, right? Yeah, he's led by example. He's done just a tremendous job right from the opening day of training camp. And you know, when Andrew Ladd moved on, he got the captaincy, and he was the obvious choice for this club to to follow his lead. and. He's one of the most intense individuals you'll see. He leads by example. Uh, you watch him every shift in practice, let alone games, and he's going 110% during their, their off-day skates. So he's paced this club. He's done a really good job of, of kind of showing what a lot of these young players that are on this Winnipeg roster need to do to raise their game to the next level. And if they're following number 26, they're in pretty good hands. Uh, Canadian town, smallest town in the NHL. Is uh, do you get some veterans up there who really adopt the place, and then others who you got to send on down the road because they're not really into it, or hasn't that been a problem? No, not at all. It uh, you know a lot of it when you look at when the Jets came, I kind of liken it to Green Bay. Yeah, you know what you need to do is you need to build a winning hockey club. You need to have some success, and you need to make it a family orientated place that that people want to spend some time with. And as these players mature and get a little bit older, they start families of their own. And, you know, Blake Wheeler's the perfect example of that. Dustin Bufflin's the perfect example of that, where they've got young families themselves and like the opportunity that they can go out and they can spend some family time and the fans are respectful of their privacy, but yet go up and engage with them because they understand that uh, you've got a legitimate NHL superstar living down the street from them. So it, uh, it's really been good over the last seven years. You've really seen how the players have adapted to the people, and I think even more how residents in the city understand now that it's not just a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to see these guys. They're just uh, regular people here that, that live in the city, and they're out and about all the time, but when they step on the ice, they're pretty special. Uh, Brian, your hometown is Humboldt and uh, in Saskatchewan, and it's a, a horrendous story. It's, it had to really hit you hard. Yeah, you know, I appreciate you mentioning that. Uh, it's been a really tough weekend for everybody involved, and, you know, not only it's my hometown, but I also got a chance to start my broadcasting career calling five years of Humboldt Bronco hockey, so I knew the stretch of highway very well that uh, the accident occurred on. I've been on that highway hundreds of times over the times that uh, 
you know, I lived there before and now go back up into northern Saskatchewan in the summertime in the off season and just a tragedy to lose as many 16 to 21 year olds as they did and, and members of the staff and, and the radio voice who was in his first year. I guess that's probably the part that hits me the most is, is I was in that seat that he was in for five years. So to, uh, to have something as tragic that, uh, that happened on Friday night is, is something I think that's probably in all honesty taken about 96% of my memory and, and mind here right now leading into this playoff series and, uh, you know, just continuing to, talk to people back home on almost an hourly basis to see how everybody's doing and you know as time goes on uh, it'll all heal but uh, we'll remember those that were lost in the accident as well hey brian uh, six thousand people even by saskatchewan junior hockey league standards is that small yeah for the town absolutely you know and you look at it and you know, for playoff hockey, they were in round number three, or now round number two, pardon me, uh, into the final four, so the town was a buzz. And you think of if there's 6,000 people, the, the arena is between 1,500 and 2,000. You can do the math, and that's a pretty big sense of your population that goes into the rink each and every night to watch the team. And, and even more than that, it's not just the player that comes into town. The majority of those guys are from outside of Humboldt, so yes. they're all billeted into different people's homes and they become part of the community and kind of like what we talked about with wheeler and buff and and guys those young hockey players they're outside on the street playing road hockey with neighbors and for those that aren't in high school some of them get jobs and get themselves uh, ingrained in the community when they're not at the rinks so it uh it's a huge loss and when you're in humboldt everybody knows if you're a member or associated with the broncos and you know, it's a real tragic time for my hometown, for sure. Kurt Giles, I talked to him the other day. Uh, he was up there in 1973 through 75 as a 14-year-old kid when he got there. They've changed the rules now. But not only do you have your host family, but the whole host family, he said the whole, you know, the, the 17 or 18 host families become your big family because they do so many functions together. Well, they do. And you think about it. For those people that open the doors, especially when you come in and you're just starting your junior career at 16 and you're leaving home for the first time, you know there's a lot for those young players to go through both in the game of hockey and the game of life as well. And and that Billet family really does become your family for six, seven, eight months if you're lucky enough to play into May for a chance to battle for the RBC Cup, the national championship up here north of the border that they really are part of your family and and you're like one of the the brothers and sisters of the billet kids if uh if they have family themselves so there's there's no question that uh you know everybody that's been affected by the bus accident uh you know it's it's stretched out uh i think maybe a lot further than what some people think that maybe aren't around the game as much as we are all right hey brian uh brian munns from the uh winnipeg jets uh broadcast crew uh thanks for your time and this will be a fun series sir it's going to be awesome. We can't wait. And uh, the XL Energy Center is one of the most enjoyable places to go on the road. And just for everybody down there, be ready, because I know the Jets fans are waiting to come across the border <laughs> and uh, make a little noise. Tommy Reed is uh, very happy. Uh, he's, he's expanded his bar, and he's ready for Winnipeg. <laughs> Tom's going to retire after two weeks of the first round. That's all he's going to need. All right. Thanks. Thanks, Brian. You got it. All right, Brian Munns uh, from the Winnipeg Jets, and thanks for his time. And when I contacted him, I had no idea about the Humboldt connection. Oh, you so, did not no, beforehand. No, I was wow. just trying to get somebody to talk about the Jets, but unbelievable deal. We'll be back.
I'm Johnny Height with a sports update. Thank you, Patrick. This update sponsored by Free Prints. Print up to 1,000 photos on your phone for free with Free Prints. Download the app and choose photos on your phone or on social media. Prints arrive in just days. Download it now at freeprints.com. Twins open up a three-game series against the Astros tonight at, uh, well, let's call it uh, Chili Target Field. Lance Lynn will make his second start of the season for the Twins. Justin Verlander pitches for the Astros. Timberwolves with two games left as they try to make it into the NBA playoffs. The first one of those is tonight at the Target Center against Memphis. Come on, boys. 0-2. We can do it. Or, or what's left of Memphis. <laughs> oh, really? Left Are of they the Grizzlies. Not? Oh, they're sitting like half the roster. Tonight. Oh, this yeah. isn't. Come on. Yeah. On Wednesday, uh, they'll play the Nuggets. Of course, the Nuggets right now a team they are tied with. So uh, we'll see how that falls, but obviously that's an important one. Minnesota Wild opened their first-round playoff series against the Winnipeg Jets Wednesday in Winnipeg. The Wild went 1-3 and three versus the Jets during the regular season. Uh, here's how it goes, breaks down. Game 1 is Wednesday, Game 2 Friday. Uh, game 3 comes back here to Minnesota on Sunday. Then they play next Tuesday, Friday, Sunday, and Wednesday, if needed, of course, on those last three. Marlene Stallings is leaving the Gophers to take over as the new women's basketball coach at Texas Tech. Couldn't resist the charms of Lubbock. <laughs> Lubbock, Texas. She's notified the University of Minnesota of her intention. The school's administration has let the team know a search has begun to find a new She's coach. already uh, been on uh, Twitter thanking them, so uh, I guess it's official. The Stallings compiled an 82-47 and 47 record over four seasons with the Gophers. Her team is coming off their 24-9 season that ended with a second-round loss to Oregon in the NCAA tournament. Some hunting news. If the deer management plan outlined today by the Department of Natural Resources becomes a reality, wildlife officials will seek an annual harvest goal of 200,000 whitetails, a figure that's about 25,000 below what the state's biggest deer group wants. Minnesota Deer Hunters Association leaders have said a harvest closer to 225000 would ensure sufficient opportunities for hunters and would also balance the interests of landowners who at times have complained the state has too many deer. Over the past 16 months, the DNR has met with a 19-member stakeholder group to develop the state's first-ever deer management plan. The action follows complaints by some hunters and legislators that the state's whitetail herd was poorly overseen by the DNR. All right, Johnny, thank you. You bet. Wade Keller, Pro Wrestling Torch. Well, uh, how long did the uh, WrestleMania show last last night, sir? More than seven hours. <laughs> and how much of it was on TV? Uh, all of it was on WWE Network. Okay. They're right. like Netflix-like streaming service. That's okay. where every, everything big is now other than their main uh, cable shows. But the, uh, the, the, so when I purchased it, I got all seven hours. There was a two-hour pre-show that you would have been able to watch on cable for free, followed oh, by five-plus oh. hours on the pay-per-view. But they don't, they don't even really promote the pay-per-view aspect anymore. They just want people to buy it for 10 bucks for a whole month on the network because they get a lot more people to buy, pay $10 okay. than and they get to pay $85. And then they're hoping you get hooked and you keep paying the 10 bucks, right? Exactly. Oh, yeah. yeah, they want you to pay 120 bucks a year, and they have over 2 million people doing that now instead of under a million people or around a million people but once a year buying it once. Oh, uh, so the uh, the limits of credulity were uh, were stretched a little bit with the uh, 10-year-old kid or the 9-year-old kid as part of the winning tag team. Yes, yes. 
he, he was actually, uh, WWE is not advertising this, but he was the son of the referee in that match. <laughs> so he was being closely watched by his own guardian, and uh-huh. he never got close to uh, the opponents. Okay, but uh, the, the gimmick here is that his partner uh, is so tough that uh, he doesn't need a partner. Strowman is told so tough he doesn't need a partner. Is that it? Yeah, but Ron Strowman's the new crusher. Yeah. And, and uh, Sheamus and Cesaro are Jesse Ventura and Adrian Adonis. And the crusher thinks he can be crusher and Adrian, or, uh, Adrian and Jesse okay. all by himself. But I'm sorry, the rules dictate you must have a partner. So he just chose a 10-year-old. <laughs> and the, uh, the, kid, uh, the kid touched in and then touched out as rapidly as possible, I take it. But he got a belt, right? He got a championship belt? We will find out tonight on Monday Night Raw okay. that likely he is underage and the commissioner has ruled that he cannot be champion. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm just guessing. <laughs> now, why uh, did uh, Lesnar and Roman Reigns uh, prove to be so unpopular as a match? They just didn't put on a good show? Fake crowd. Really? No, 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 no. Um, that's Vince's claim because Vince loves Roman Reigns and the WrestleMania a lot of crowds that are the uh, adult male demographic, and those are the ones who generally go to the televised events because they're yes. on school nights, they hate Roman Reigns uh, in a large percentage, like 70, 30%, 70 to 30%. Um, they just don't connect with him, and they see him being pushed at the expense of others who they think are better and they like more. Oh, I see. Okay. So it was, and then Brock Lesnar is going to USC. So fans looked at that as the crowning moment of a guy who is being shoved at us who we don't like by the promoter who's now going to beat the guy who we like but is abandoning us to go back to USC. So, at, you know, at the seven-hour mark, fans were you know, <laughs> drunk or tired and just upset. And it ha- it's happened before. I mean, this is not new. Roman Reigns, one year ago tonight, after WrestleMania, was booed loudly before he spoke when he stepped into the ring the day after beating Undertaker at WrestleMania 33. And the booing continued. I don't remember, it was like eight or ten minutes straight of just Roman standing there in the crowd booing him. And he's their lead babyface, their lead hero. Huh. So, so it's fascinating. So Vince he, likes him, but they hate him, huh? Well, a lot of fans like him, but those fans um, don't go to WrestleMania, travel okay. from around the world and pay top dollar. So what happens is all their weekend events that where families go, they like Roman. And, and so Vince believes that's more important and that these other fans who boo him will still pay their money to boo him, and they'll like other wrestlers he's giving them. So he's making a, a, a calculation that makes for bad optics, but he's well aware of what he's doing. And breaking news, Roman Reigns is going to beat Brock Lesnar on April 27th in Saudi Arabia. <laughs> 300,000 people in, in, in uh, two weeks. Or okay, three weeks, so. and then Brock will be leaving again. I, that, that's the assumption. WWE just sent out a press release to me like 20 minutes ago saying they re-signed Brock Lesnar, but they did not say if it's just one match or more. So the hunch now is Vince wanted Reigns to win and beat Brock in front of a friendly audience. Their first time running that kind of a show uh, in that kind of setting internationally. And so the feeling is, yeah, Reigns will get cheered there, and WrestleMania would be a disaster. Okay, how, uh, how entertaining was Ronda Rousey in her uh, real debut? She was the, the feel-good story of the night. If, if Roman Reigns and Lesnar was the disaster uh, optically, Ronda was fantastic on the highest end of expectations. I was skeptical that she... I wasn't sure she wouldn't work out because there just wasn't enough evidence yet. She hadn't wrestled yet. But I was skeptical that she would be great, and she was great. And I think um, that right now the reviews for that match are... It was the, the, the most successful and entertaining match of the night, as preposterous as certain aspects of it were. 
Um, the crowd ate it up, and it was a highlight of the show. So is mixed doubles uh, tag team going to be the future then here, with the, <laughs> with, which was what we had? No, I mean, it, it comes down to Stephanie and, and her husband, Paul Levesque, Triple H, yeah. Hunter. Um, they're, they're, so, they're such a top-heel pair, so they signed Ronda Rousey, mm-hmm. but they, the story is they were manipulating her and trying to co-opt her to oh, the evil oh, side. Make her a bad guy, okay. Yeah, like use her to their benefit. And Kurt Angle, the Olympic gold medalist who shares you know, a kinship with Ronda because of an Olympic background, smartened her up. And so Kurt Angle and Ronda then battled Stephanie and Hunter. It was very circumstantial, and it, it, it isn't something that you know will be a mainstay for WWE. But Stephanie and Triple H are running the, the organization, basically, aren't they? I wouldn't go that far. Vince McMahon is still okay. the, 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 the decider in charge and very involved. Um, Stephanie's less less involved, but certainly in a power circle, but not as active. And she's raising kids, and she's the, the brand ambassador. Um, so she's probably like top four, but Vince is still number one. Triple H, her husband, absolutely is the heir apparent, and he's running their NXT developmental group and uh, very involved in, in Vince's right-hand man. In a is he ways. a sharp guy? Oh, yeah, he's really smart. Okay, so uh, my guy came back. I love Daniel Bryan. I thought that they were creating him to turn into a bad guy, but then he got sick and he became a good guy. I liked his arrogance, but that, now he's a hero, right? Well, Daniel Bryan? Yeah. I don't, I don't think fans would ever accept him as a bad okay. guy. He, he was the most popular guy. Uh, I mean, Ronda probably was... Ronda and Daniel Bryan were probably tied for the most popular wrestlers last night. Okay, but what I'm saying is, like, when I watched him six, seven years ago, he kind of had that, uh, to me, he had that oh. Bachwinkle thing going a little bit, but maybe I'm wrong. Well, I yeah, thought he was just a little superior to the audience, which is, I always thought, I've always thought that was the greatest shtick in wrestling, to be just, you know, smarter than the, your audience, you know. Oh, and they but, still have a lot of wrestlers who, who play that role quite successfully. Daniel Bryan, the... The crowd just basically turned Daniel Bryan into a good guy by cheering him no matter what Vince okay. did. Okay, all righty, that, that's good. But I, I'm not talking about the guy who just speaks down crudely about the, uh, you know, about the crowd. I think the guy who just gives him that superiority without really insulting him. I've, I've always kind of liked oh, that sure. guy. Yep. I thought he had that going. So uh, who's the future here? What's, uh, who did we... Who did we? Uh, I mean, Cena got beat by the Undertaker after his one his one year WrestleMania losing streak came to an end. But uh, was that just because Cena was coming back for a one timer? No, it uh, with with Undertaker, he's kind of it was kind of like Kevin Garnett checking in ceremonially for okay. two minutes in a game. Um, he he's physically he just isn't able to go. But last year he lost to Roman Reigns, and so the idea was come on back and Taker. Mark Calloway, the real guy, just said, hey, I can't do it. And Vince said, well, let's find a way to make it happen. And John Cena, people have always wanted to see Cena versus Undertaker at a WrestleMania. This is kind of the last chance to sneak it in. Um, it's not to say Undertaker won't wrestle again, but he, I don't think he will. And this was kind of more of a quick little feel-good win for him, and I think John Cena was happy, more than happy to do it with everything else he's got going on outside of WWE. What kind of shape is WWE in right now? They're in great shape, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, they're expanding internationally. They're uh, uh, boasting about their record uh, subscribers right now post-WrestleMania. They hit new highs. Um, they're breaking revenue records. There's a little bit of bookkeeping shenanigans going on because a lot of the revenue that they used to split with cable companies is going through them directly now. So 
their record revenue is a little deceptive, but nevertheless, um, they're they're a very big company and uh, in in no danger of, uh, of of losing money anytime soon. Wade Keller's with us. So they started off kind of slowly. That thing did not take off like uh, some people thought, right? The WWE Network. You know, it. it yeah, as some people thought. I, I thought that they had very lofty expectations, uh, uh, overly optimistic expectations for how many people who used to watch WWE or occasionally watch it would want to subscribe to it like a Netflix. And but and, and the growth has virtually stalled. Like they were growing, you know, they grew. I'm very rounded numbers here, but they grew at like 30 percent one year, then 20 percent another year, then 12 percent, and now it was like down to six percent growth. So. They're, the growth is slowing, but they're still growing. So the key now is to find that new star or a couple stars who bring more people in who then will pay. But from a technology conversion standpoint, I mean, streaming is the future, and it's where the growth is going to come from. You know, it's, it's like print paper versus subscribing online. You know, it's just there's, there's a movement from a pure technology standpoint, or radio converting to TV, and that's what's going on. And WWE was ahead of the curve, and, and maybe a year early in some ways, but I think that they're pretty happy with where they stand right now. How do they take uh, further advantage of Ronda, then, by wrestling uh, some... Do they got an evil woman for her to beat up, or uh, what, what do we got yeah. going? Absolutely. They have actually a really deep women's division right now, both on their main roster and also in developmental. Uh, Shayna Baszler is one of her friends, and she just won the uh, NXT Championship, which is their... Uh, third brand that's only on their streaming network, kind of their their rookie league, I guess. Um, she just won their championship, so they're bu- building her for Ronda. You've got Charlotte Flair, Ric Flair's daughter. Uh, she defeated Oscar last night and ending Oscar's multi-year undefeated streak. So they're setting up Charlotte as an opponent. Um, they've they've got a number of of women wrestlers who who they're ready for, and I expect Stephanie. And Rhonda will will wrestle again, perhaps a one on one match. All right, uh, Wade, uh, give us your uh, details so people can uh, take advantage of your uh, wrestling knowledge. Two things: pwtorch.com if you want to read my report on WrestleMania last night and all the breaking news today, including Lesnar and McMahon having a big argument afterwards <laughs> after the match was over. And then, uh, uh, if you like podcasts, just search Wade Keller, and uh, I've got four free podcasts per week, including a couple over at Podcast One. And we'd love for you to uh, subscribe to those. We'll be talking about Raw tonight. All right. Hey, thanks, Wade. I appreciate it, Pat. All right, Wade Keller. Uh, if you want to, if you want WrestleMania knowledge, he's the guy to go to. We'll be back on for this day in history. Quiet, please. We'll be on the air. And now, this day in history, Patrick. Oh! <laughs> 
that, ladies and gentlemen, is Marian Anderson singing on April 9th, 1939, on Easter Sunday at the Lincoln Memorial. 75,000 or more people showed up to watch this. And the reason she was at the Lincoln Memorial was uh, because the Daughters of the American Revolution, the famous DAR, had refused to give her permission to swing, sing at Washington's Constitutional Hall because she was African-American. Eleanor Roosevelt resigned her membership from the DAR because of that. Uh, and, uh, of course, Marian Anderson showed up, sang at the Lincoln Memorial to this huge crowd, and it made us a lot more aware, apparently, of racism, uh, but not that much aware because it wasn't until 1955 that she had a chance to sing at the New York Metropolitan Opera, even though she had the best voice in the world, as you just heard. Oh, yeah. Right. And by the way, you know what else I found out is rather unique? 74 years earlier, before she sang at the Lincoln Memorial, uh, Robert E. Lee surrendered. Wow. So 74 years later, we were still telling the greatest voice in the world she couldn't say she couldn't yeah right because uh she uh was a black woman so uh but uh nobody uh, nobody better than her uh Toscanini the famous Italian conductor told Marian Anderson yours is a voice such as one hears once in a hundred years so that's a pretty good a lot like yours yes it is it's uh, unique we both had unique voices that's right uh but uh i never got turned down from speaking anywhere because i was never asked that's true (laughs) 